That's the message of this season as we consider our Lord crucified for us and how he has risen from the dead. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. I want us to continue in this chapter because here we have back to back two very important stories that give us insight into what was happening with Jesus and the disciples just days before he uh, entered Jerusalem and uh, the events leading to his crucifixion and his resurrection took place. Have you been following the news about uh, the Catholic Church and the new Pope, Francis I? Well, uh, I was surprised to realize when he was appointed Pope just a few weeks ago, I was in Buenos Aires, visited the cathedral uh, where he was in charge, and I saw some pictures of him and talked to some people about him, and the people were praying for him that uh, he would become Pope. And uh, at that, no one really thought it was a serious possibility, but here he is. And uh, he has a great message for the poor. He's calling the church to reach out and to serve the poor and to give its resources to lift up those that are the lowest and the most needy in society. And that makes us realize that, uh, you know, we are living in very challenging times and we need to have a vision for the kingdom of God and all that's taking place. Matthew 26, I want us to focus on these verses right after the story we led last, read last week of the disciple of the Lord, Mary, who broke the alabaster jar and poured this expensive perfume out upon Christ. The next story is a great contrast to that because here we see as she poured out her gift, which was so very expensive, Judas made another type of decision regarding his property or how he might obtain additional property. The 30 pieces of silver, which we always remember at Easter time, we realize that Judas wasn't thinking about what he could give, but what he could take, what he could receive. And we have just a few verses here. Verse 14, Matthew 26 then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What will you give to me if I hand him over to you? And so they counted out 30 silver coins. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. What a contrast. We read last week where Mary just poured her life and her treasure out upon the Lord. And here we see a man who conspired in his heart to betray his Savior, his Lord. You know, I have a difficult time with Judas. How about you? And uh, I often just kind of skip over the whole character and story of Jesus which is a very important part of, of the story before the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, it's just hard to deal with. It's not encouraging or uplifting to see his betrayal. But how many of you know that the Holy Spirit included all of Scripture for our instruction? And the Holy Spirit included 
this story of Judas and his role in what took place as instruction for us to help us as Christians. How do we understand this tragedy? How he betrayed the Lord. Well, any serious Christian will tell you, if we have any understanding at all of our carnal nature, we know that all of us have the capacity to betray God. Through unbelief, through placing our affection on things which are false, we can fool and be fooled. We can be betrayed and we can betray. And how important it is for us to realize that uh, this is why we need a Savior. How many of you, the older you get, the more you realize how much you really need Jesus Christ as your Savior? You know, we give up on saving ourselves <laughs> and we realize we need God's love and forgiveness because of our condition. There's two uh, scriptures that I want to mention as we look, begin to look at Judas that really shed light on the subject. And we've got to be careful not to look at Judas just from our contemporary perspective. You know, people look at Ju Judas and they try to psychoanalyze him. And they try to excuse his behavior based on the, the environmental pressure. All the, all the reasons they can come up with to make him look a little less of a criminal than he really was. But there's two verses that shed a lot on the subject. First one is in 2 Timothy, I mean 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7, which simply says that the mystery of iniquity doth already work. What is this mystery of iniquity? We don't really understand evil. We don't really understand sin. We think about that with sin, there always comes a blindness where we cannot see or cannot understand. Let me put it to you this way. Um, who understood sin better, would you say? And we can make this comparison. Adam before the fall or Judas after he betrayed Christ? That's kind of a trick question. But guess what? Adam before the fall in the wisdom of an obedient heart before God understood sin better than Judas after he betrayed Christ. Because with sin, there always comes the confusion and the darkness and the deception which makes us unable to discern right from wrong. Have you realized by now that you can't just sin without being changed? That when you sin in a willful type of way, there comes a darkness. There comes a, a lack of, of moral perceptiveness where we begin to rationalize what we do. This is a great mystery. Wouldn't it be great after we accept Christ as Savior and we realize our problem of sin just to say, okay, God, this is it. From now on, I'm never going to sin again. That's a promise. What's the problem with that? We don't know our own nature. Regardless of how hard we try, how much we intend, without God's grace to save us and keep us from sin and help us to overcome sin, it's a hopeless condition. There's another verse that I want you to see. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. This is uh, something that's obvious from the text, but somehow we have a tendency to, uh, to overlook it. 
somehow we rationalize and we, we don't see that this particular factor is important as it really is in the story. What does 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 say? It simply says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, we try to rationalize and say, well, that means we shouldn't love money. Well, it does mean that, but it doesn't mean that money's evil. Well, before we are too quick to say that Money, that, that money and our desire for money is all okay. We need to look at Judas and see this was a very important part of the problem. How many of you get in trouble from time to time with money? Don't we all? We rationalize. We covet. Uh, we sometimes are tempted to do things related to money which we're drawn into. And the scripture says very clearly that money was an important part of this as Judas sought to betray him. And it says that the priest counted out 30 pieces of silver, counted out the reward that he was given for betraying Christ. So money was an issue. Can I say that we as Christians living in a very materialist society need to guard against the love of money? And there's a message here regarding our faithfulness that we dare not be uh, betrayed. We better dare, dare not betray God over material things. Now, as we see Judas and we see how he was carried away by evil and how he betrayed the Lord, you know, we, we hear these different theories about Judas and what he did, that somehow he was a necessary character in this story and he was just predestined to do this and really wasn't as responsible for his sin as some people think he is. That perhaps he was confused, perhaps he was a victim of his circumstances. You know, the scripture says that in uh, Luke that Satan entered him at just the right moment. Perhaps he was just a, a tool or an instrument of Satan. Yet, the scripture says that uh, he had a free will. He made some choices. And all of us cannot blame. We cannot blame the devil. Have you ever said anything on the order of the devil made me do it? Which is really no excuse at all. Especially for the Christian because we, have, we know better. We have power. We have authority over evil. I want you to see uh, four choices that Judas made that all of us need to be careful of. First of all, what happened in this event of betrayal? First, we realize he chose a self-centered goal. He did not choose God's will. He chose his will. He did not care about the disciples and the, the growing faith of that community. He chose his own way, his own self-centered goal. Number two, he chose an evil association with the, chief, the, the high priest as he chose to enter into a relationship. Uh, King James even uses the word covenant with the enemy of Christ to destroy him. How many of you know that our associations are important? That it's important for us not to develop relationships with uh, people who may lead us away from our relationship with God. 
You know, every parent tries to teach his teenage kids to choose good friends. And you know, the test of, of good friends are those who lead you closer to God rather than lead you away from God. We must not rationalize our associations. We need to choose good associates. And it says that Judas was among the twelve, but he separated himself from the friends of Christ to enter this evil association. Number three, he chose, as I mentioned, the love of money. And as he chose this material gain, he lost his eternal inheritance. And then number four, he chose the ultimate betrayal. The ultimate betrayal where he watched and waited for the opportunity to turn Christ over to his enemies. This is uh, treachery. The definition of betrayal, to deliver to an enemy by treachery. There's a, a great missions uh, book called uh, Peace Child, written by John Richardson, or Don Richardson. And uh, many of us uh, read, it, read it when we were uh, in college. And it's about a missionary who went to Arian Jaya, Indonesia, worked with the Sawi cannibals and headhunters. And many of us in, our, in this church know Jim Yost. Uh, Jim and Joan Yost were our friends in college. They went to that very same tribe to work with those Sawi natives. But when Don Richardson was there learning their language and began to tell them the stories, here are these people, these Sawi natives, that were, were so separated from, from God in any godliness or any sense of right and wrong when Don Richardson was able to translate the story of Judas betraying Christ, as they understood what was happening, they laughed. They applauded because they thought Judas was the hero. Because they were so evil in their culture, they thought treachery was a great value that they respected. And as Don Richardson realized that how corrupt and how evil the culture was, and he began to see the gospel penetrate as their hearts were changed and they realized that Judas was not the hero. Christ was the hero who sac sacrificed his life for them. And that's what transformed the culture as they realized that God was about love, not about power to get what we want. And so this choice that Judas made, <clears throat> such a terrible choice. We need to realize that God wants us to make good decisions. He wants us to be careful not to betray our Lord and the values that we hold true. As we think about Judas, we need to think about ourselves. I want us to mention some of the ways that we can betray the Lord. <clears throat> not by taking 30 pieces of silver and doing the kind of deed that Judas did, which is so obviously evil. But what about in our daily walks? Is there a temptation to betray our Lord? Well, every time we sin, we betray our morality. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. We choose what is wrong. And we betray our morality in God. How about betraying our testimony as we have a testimony 
of our relationship with Jesus Christ and how important it is for us to live the Christian life. How many of you know that every day all of us are being watched by people who know that we have a testimony and they're looking for something to show that we're hypocrites, that we're not true to what we say we believe. And so it's important. A testimony has value. It's important not to betray it. We've got to be careful not to betray our community as we take a stand with the body of Christ. Uh, some of us who've been involved in, in Hope Christian School have watched this over and over again. How kids, how many of you know that just as surely as peer pressure can work in teenagers to cause them to do bad things, peer pressure can be a good thing to make them do good things. And talking to parents of Hope, I was talking to these moms that every time now, my son goes out with his friends. I want him to wear his Hope High School t-shirt because he behaves himself better. That's true. He doesn't want to betray the community that he's part of. And that's a good thing. We dare not betray our calling. As God begins to show us what he wants us to do with our lives and shows us to make certain sacrifices and to set priorities. We must not betray that. I'll never forget working with a young man who was really called to the ministry and was preparing himself to, to take all the money that he had saved up and to, to go to get some training so he could serve the Lord. He really felt called to preach. And I was supposed to meet with him and talk about this. He's making the final plans and he didn't show up. And I start calling around and trying to find him, and I couldn't. And pretty soon, I realized that something had changed in his life. He had decided to take all of the money he'd saved for college and buy the sports car that he really wanted and marry the girl he probably shouldn't marry yet and compromised his calling to have something in the short term that he could enjoy. Before we get too uh, critical of him, we realize that all of us have that tendency, that temptation. Has God called you to great things? Don't compromise. Don't betray that calling. Well, we betray our values every time we make decisions that do not reflect the kingdom. We betray our relationships, the basic covenant relationships of life. How many of you know that the relationship of husband and wife is a holy covenant. And that if we betray that, it's not only a sin against our spouse, but it's a sin against God. And so we realize to be faithful and true to God and the people in our lives, we must not betray. But all promises, all partnership, all relationships, all the commitments we make to one another. And then finally, we need to be careful not to betray our actual promises and vows that we make. How many of you know that it's important to have a good word? <laughs> that your word... I love Jack Hayford's definition of integrity. He says, what's integrity? You do what you say and you say what you do. If you have that level of integrity, you can be trusted. And so I realize if I don't do what I say... <clears throat> If I break my word, I realize that I'm betraying not only the person that I'm disappointing, but God himself. 
as I realize that uh, it's not wise to make a, a vow without, it's, it's you know, the, uh, Ecclesiastes says it's worse to make a vow and to break it than not to make a vow at all. And so it is with all of our promises and commitments in life. Well, what do we learn from Judas? Let me summarize and we need to conclude. Number one, we need to realize this. Only God's grace is sufficient for the human condition. Our carnality, our self-centeredness, our pride. As Jesus walked with Judas, taught him his ways, Judas saw his miracles, saw everything that was sufficient for him to be saved, he turned away and we realize that each of us have a responsibility. You know, you look at Judas, Judas had a good pastor, didn't he? Jesus. He belonged to the right church, right? The disciples. He had good, t- all the instruction that he needed to do right. Still, he backslid and turned away. Guess what? You can have a great pastor, a great church, have great instruct, and still in your own heart, turn away. But you can also turn to the Lord and know His grace. And then finally, the lesson that we learn from Judas is that God's grace ultimately is sufficient. The only thing sufficient (laughs) to deliver us from ourselves and this mystery of iniquity and enable us to live for God. It's a sobering account, isn't it, of Judas? How he was so close to Christ physically, yet so very far away. And how each of us need to realize that, you know, we can, we can be in church, we can be around Christian, we can hear the gospel, yet we can pull away. Only God, only God knows the condition of our heart. Only God can give us the grace <clears throat> to be saved, to be whole, to live faithfully for Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, O God, for this lesson, Lord, in the life of the one who betrayed you. Help us to humble ourselves, O God. Help us to realize that it's only by your grace that we are really saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand. I want our worship team to lead us in a final song. And uh, we're going to take a moment to respond to God's word as he shows us. And then uh, we'll be dismissed for this morning. There's a short little chorus that I want you to learn with me tonight uh, or today. Whether you have heard it or not, it's real simple, and it kind of goes along with the song that we sang earlier. But it says, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. You guys have heard that scripture. Let's sing it now. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore I no longer live, Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, Jesus Christ now lives in me. Sing it with me. I am crucified with Christ, Therefore I no longer live, Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am 
crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. There's, um, there's no evidence in Scripture that Judas really uh, repented of his sin and was forgiven. Our hope this morning is we know that by the grace of God that uh, we can repent. We have this moment we can confess our sins and we know He's faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I, I used to love to hear Billy Graham say at the end of his crusades, you, you need to respond to God right now because you don't know if your heart will ever be this tender towards God again. And if not, what a hopeless condition that is. We have to respond to God while there's grace to respond. We all have our issues and challenges and our weaknesses and our struggles. Let's just turn to God. Let's just ask Him for His grace and for His mercy. As Sam continues to lead in this, in this song, <clears throat> let's take a moment to open our hearts to God and ask Him to show us where there's sin and need for repentance. Let's respond to God as He gives us grace to do so. I want to invite you to the altar this morning if you'd like to take time to pray. We'll pray for you if, if you need uh, healing in your body or if you need guidance from God or a special answer to prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you and pray for you. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning and we ask you, O oh God, to help us, Lord, not to, not to be quick to leave, O oh God, without responding to your word, O oh God. Help us by your grace to say yes, O oh God. Help us to agree with you regarding our sin. Help us to confess our sins that we might be forgiven and have a new, fresh start, O oh God. Help us, O oh God, not to leave this place without a determination, a choice, O oh God, to live more closely, more faithfully with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. <laughs>